This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Mm, carrots and potatoes and like a broth. That's a stew, baby. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season five, episode 11 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer Triangle. As well as Gilmore Girls, women of questionable morals. Well. I'm sorry I trolled you last week. Yeah. I was like, what What do you? What is so wrong with the Gilmore Girls titles? You told me immediately when we watched the episode later. Well, a troll shows up immediately. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they label him as a troll till like halfway through. We'll get there. Yeah. But um, one of these episodes is better than the other. Yeah. And we'll let you know soon, but you might already know. Yeah. Just stick with us. We'll take you on a ride. Come with me and you'll see. I don't know what that's from. Is that Willy Wonka? What the it hell is, is that? Yeah. Okay. That reminds me, though, can we tell them about the thing we do to Kurt? The thing we do with Kurt? Yeah, when he's sitting on a table or a surface that we need to move. Oh, Prince Ali? Sure. Yeah, we, we Prince Ali, Ali, Abba, him. Which just means we each take a side of the table or the object he's on and sing. Prince Ali, Ali fabulous he. Okay, we're not. It's we're still, trying to I, sing in unison from different rooms, but you get the idea. Yeah. And he likes it? I don't know. Whenever we're doing something like rearranging the room to like film something, he like gets excited and gets on the table. Yeah. Maybe he likes being Prince Alid. Maybe. What's new with you, Brian? I just finished the Mistborn series, the first three novels. I know there's some afterwards. And I'm pretty happy with how it ended. It definitely ended with like a, and that wraps up this story. But, you know, there might be more stories. But I still liked it. It was still well done. Cool. Yeah. You you always listen to it when you were showering and cooking and walking. Yeah, I definitely came out of the kitchen and I was like, uh, I'm done with dinner. And like, it wasn't the onions that had my eyes watering. Oh, yeah. I saw you were sad. I thought you were just really proud of yourself for how well dinner turned out. <laughs> it was so good. I recommend Mistborn. If you're into fantasy, Mistborn's really good. My dad refuses to read it, but you guys should read it. But the big news about that is now I can finally read this Buffy book I've been putting off. Oh, yeah. You'll have to tell people about that. Except I can't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, what are you up to? Uh, I've been working on a show with my friend Jared for a long time. I may have talked about that on here before. We're like writing a show about restaurants because I've worked in a lot of restaurants and he's eaten in a lot of restaurants. So we both have some <laughs> same restaurant knowledge. But yeah, him and I play characters that are sort of like making fun of how people behave in restaurants. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of restaurant related sketches. We're going to start rehearsing it with a cast soon. We got a cast of really funny people and we're going to put it up. At a TBD theater in New York. So if you live in New York, stay tuned. I'll tell you when it's happening. Be nice to see some of you there. Brian will be there, I'm sure. Yeah. Opening night, front row. Clapping like a walrus. Like a walrus? <laughs> clapping like a seal. They both clap, maybe? I mean, yeah, but I feel like humans are much more efficient at clapping than a walrus. Well, yeah, but you clap like a walrus. <laughs> or, or. We're having old fashions again this week. You might hear the clinks. We have to pregame a little, because I don't know when you're listening to this, but it's the day of our very first watch party where we're watching the real episodes. We just want to pregame a little, so we're loose when we get there, but yeah. by the time you hear this, loose butts. that's all over. Yeah, Brian farts a lot when he drinks, and we want to film that for people to see. 
Yeah, a lot of people have asked. That's where most of our Patreons are coming from. <laughs> what last thing I want to say is Blood in the Clock Tower is coming soon. I'm really excited about that. We could even play with some of our fans that live in New York sometime. That might be fun. I was thinking that too. We could like have an event and meet some people if you guys yeah. are down to play. I think we've explained it on here, but Google Blood on the Clock Tower if you like social deduction games and let us know if you're interested. It's got a connection to this week's Gilmore Girl episode. Um, the Scarlet Woman. Oh, sure, 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 sure. All right. Should we get into shows, Brian? Let's do it. Okay, so this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Triangle. So Triangle is about Willow and Anya having a fight that Xander's caught in the middle of. And there's a troll. Uh-oh. Yep. Okay. So it starts with Xander and Anya lying in bed. Xander's, like, missing Riley, I think. <laughs> they weren't that close. Anya indicates she'd really prefer if her and Xander never broke up like Buffy and Riley just did. And that maybe not all relationships are doomed. Maybe Buffy just sucks at them. Xander's like, yeah, maybe you're right. She has broken up with two whole guys now. <laughs> This scene is weird. It's mostly just expositional to let us know that Buffy's going through a breakup. Yeah. And that Riley's gone. Yeah, this felt awkward to me. They're like debating whether or not there's a pattern. There's not. They broke up for totally different reasons than her and Angel did. Yeah. I just like don't get why this needed to happen. I guess to show us that they're good and Buffy's not. Yeah, and I think you're right in that it, this is just like, in case you missed last week or you don't remember, Buffy and Riley Or you didn't Riley watch the previously on. That yeah. was right before this. Uh, Xander makes a point of saying that he doesn't think it's necessarily like something Buffy's doing or that it's necessarily Buffy. Right. But he like does seem concerned that she'll never find love because she's so bad at men. I mean, that's valid, maybe. Yeah, I think that's sort of valid. Just dating in her line of work is going to be difficult for anyone. And that's before you take into account how many men are going to be like insecure with how strong she is or how unavailable she is because she's like saving the world every weekend. She does seem to be slowly becoming aware of maybe how she mistreated Riley in this episode. Yeah. Well, anyway, there's sort of a misdirect that Buffy's handling this by becoming a nun. But no, she's just <laughs> fighting some vampires at a convent. This nun watches one of them get dusted and then is like, what was that? It looked like a demon. Buffy's all like, yeah, it did, didn't it? Well, moving on. Why sugarcoat it? She just watched a man vanish into thin air. Like, tell yeah. her something. She's not dumb. This woman also already believes in demons. She's a nun. Yeah, I don't get why we're lying to her. Yeah, I also still kind of don't understand why Buffy's like, we gotta keep this whole vampire thing under wraps. It's like, maybe actually just tell the world vampires exist. The world will only be safer if people know this shit's happening. Yeah, that's true. I get why you might not want to tell your mother that you're the Slayer. Honestly, I feel like you should have. But, like, I can understand season one. I don't want my friends to get hurt or whatever. But, like, if you can prove to the world the supernatural exists, we can, like, deal with some shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Buffy instead asked the nun how abstaining from men is going for her and how the food is at the convent. Yeah. This is all meant to be a joke, I think. I never got the impression she's super serious. But who knows? Buffy's crazy in this episode. Yeah, Buffy's just crazy in this episode. Giles is like, this episode's going to be bad. I don't want any part of it. I'm going to go to England for most of it. <laughs> I'd rather people not remember me in this episode. I'm leaving. I'm going to be in the bookends and I'm out in the middle for that nonsense. <laughs> Break my store. I don't care. Yeah, I don't want to be here when the troll shows up. I'm gone. Maybe Giles is the troll. Mm -hmm. Interesting. He and Buffy are sparring in the back room, talking about how he's going to England to meet with the council to see if they could find out more about Glory and the Key. 
Buffy really wants to make sure he doesn't tell them about Dawn because she trusts the council about as far as Giles can throw them, she says. That's funny. I thought that was funny. Because Buffy could probably throw them. Yeah. And Giles could not. Also, he keeps yelling at her for her form and that he can predict her moves. That's maybe interesting. Like Maybe she's being sloppy. I, I don't know if that was just like for them to have something to say or if she actually is like not concentrating enough. Well, she's, I think, distracted. got a lot going on right now. She's got the key stuff, which is distracting. Also, she's thinking about Riley, and she's also, like, venting to Giles and worried about... So I don't know if she's really concentrating. Well, she doesn't like that, so she just, like, really hits him. And then they kind of talk about how Riley's gone. You can tell Giles is concerned with how she's feeling about it, which is nice. Yeah. Anya is very excited that Giles is going to be gone for a week because that means she gets to run the store. But Giles doesn't love that. He really doesn't trust her to do anything involving people skills. Will is like, I got you, Giles. I very publicly agree that Anya's the worst, and I'll be here to fill in where she lacks. <laughs> Anya doesn't like this and kind of puts Xander in the middle of it. Like, um, can you talk to your friend about not being a bitch to me? Tell her I don't need help. But Xander doesn't want to deal with this. He's like, so, Buffy, what's new with you? And Buffy shares that she met a nun who let her try on her wimple. What's a wimple? It's their headdress. Okay. It's their underwear. Well, what? They have special nun underwear. It's very sexy. And Buffy was like, can I try that on? Yeah. Later at home, Buffy and Dawn are very excited to see that Joyce has finally changed out of her rank robe and put on some real clothes. And then Buffy goes into her room. Dawn comes in and notices that Buffy's taken down her Riley pictures. Buffy kind of lets her in on how she's feeling about Riley. She says apparently everyone beside her could tell things were gradually declining with her and Riley for a while. But she is really hurt. Sometimes she's mad at Riley, sometimes she's filled with regret and wonders how she could have done things differently, but she seems to be confident it'll get better eventually. Not the relationship, she'll get better. Yes. She does say that maybe he'll even come back and want to give it another try, though. Mm-hmm. And then she can say all the things she didn't get to say. I feel like he's going to come back. I don't think they're going to get back together, but I feel like we'll see his face again. You think you'll see Riley's face again? Mm-hmm. It's really funny because it comes back for one episode, but he's got no face. <laughs> I was going to say he's just a face, like someone's face often. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Spike is rehearsing a little speech himself to his Buffy mannequin, offering her a box of chocolates. He's upset that he didn't get more gratitude for showing Buffy what Riley was up to in the vampire den. Or at least wants it to be clear to her that he wasn't doing it to be a jerk. He was just trying to help her. I guess in his mind, this ungrateful bitch of a mannequin talks back to him, so he beats the shit out of her, then he calms himself and starts the speech again. Her wig's all messed up. It's pretty funny. Like, straightens the chocolates individually. I like the scene a lot. Yeah? Because I feel like they are doing a pretty good job with, um, I mean, there's, there's issues with Spike. We've talked about this before, with the fact that he can love since vampires don't seem to be able to love. Like, we actually just had an episode of Angel we watched where Angel says that he was, as a vampire, was incapable of love. Mm-hmm. But Spike seems to. But it is kind of fun that he's like this evil psychopath narcissist, but like he wants Buffy to love him. So he's like trying to fight all of his instincts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I, I don't know, it's sweet to watch. Yeah. Like he loses his temper because he's an evil demon. But then he's like, all right, get it back together. Try again until you get it right. Like, mm. I, I like that. He'll wear it down. I know it. Is that a positive? <laughs> He'll wear her down. Yeah. She'll want to. Hug him, at least. He should just teach Marty a thing or two. All you gotta do is wear him down, Marty. No, this is different. <laughs> Spike's cool. Okay. 
The next day at the magic shop, Willow and Tara are browsing for ingredients to make a ball of simulated sunlight for Buffy to use when she's fighting vampires. It's a good idea. Willow mentions she's used one of these ingredients to try to de-rat Amy, and it didn't work. But it might have made her really smart, because <laughs> she keeps giving her looks like she's planning something. It's interesting. Hope we see Amy again. Anya's like, uh, how about don't steal the products, how about? Willow points out that Anya's just like the fish from the cat in the hat for telling them not to do stuff while mom is away. Mom is Giles. Willow's totally in the wrong here, though. Like, yeah. maybe Giles would just let her take stuff, but I'm guessing only if it was for something relevant to their cause. I, I mean, it sort of is. I feel like the answer here is for Anya to say plainly, you're taking stuff for free. I'm going to assume you're doing something good with it. I'm just going to make a list of everything you took and let Giles know. And if he's fine with it, great. But if he wants to charge you, that's fine, too. Right. Because, like, the sunlight thing would be useful to Buffy, but it also seems like Willow doesn't want Giles to know about it. Exactly. Or, like, she knows it's bad. Even Tara, though, is like, yeah, maybe we should pay Willow. (laughs) Before we shit all over Willow, can we just talk about how her hair looks great in this episode? Yes, I, I have that written down. It looks great. She's being bad, but she's looking good. Yeah. Her and Rory are both doing this thing where their short hair is getting a little longer, so they're doing some curls. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Xander comes in, and Anya promptly informs him that Willow is stealing. Again, putting him in the middle of this. I'm starting to see where the title's coming from. Xander again is like, yeah, I really don't want to be in the middle of this. And then Willow accidentally makes the cash register disappear. She's able to bring it back. The money's fine, but that's kind of a big deal if she wasn't able to. Yeah. And it looks like maybe broken when it comes back, too. Yeah. Also, this is like the first time in the series that Xander hasn't wanted to just speak his mind. <laughs> I mean, it directly affects his best two relationships, so. Yeah, well. Willow kind of mocks Anya for being better with money than people, which Anya does not appreciate. She tattles to Xander, even though Xander definitely heard Willow. But Xander's just finally like, no, I, I do not want to be in the middle of this. It's not my job. You guys just figure it out without me. Bye. And Tara, too, is like, you know, I'm not exactly in the middle of this, but I'm sick of being around it. So I, too, am going to go as well. So Willow continues to do her sunshine potion while Anya looks on and is loudly keeping a tally of what Willow owes for ingredients. Willow makes it very clear that this is a very sensitive spell and that any non-ritual word can disrupt it. Now here, Anya's being a bit of an asshole because she keeps interrupting it. Like, she might not get our society's social norms, but she understands magic and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, did she think Willow was lying? But then Willow just totally abandons this glowing ring of light she's conjured to go yell at Anya. And when she says the words, let it out, a big scary troll appears. You said you knew this guy? Yeah, so this, the whole time I'm watching this episode, I'm like, how do I know this actor? Yeah, he looked familiar to me too. The way I know him is from this 90s TV show called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. He played this, like, I don't want to call him a bully because I don't think he was always a bully. He's just this, like, really huge, dumb, beefy dude that was, like, a student. I think they called him, like, the Coob or something like that. The Coob? Yeah. He he was very big. And he made, like, a stomping sound whenever he walked around. I don't know if anyone else has seen that show. I'm interested because it was like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a TV show, which it was, by the way. But they did make a TV show out of that, but it was sort of like that vibe. Anyone else see that show? Anyway, deep cut. Let's move on. Okay. Sorry, I got off topic. Back to the show. It's okay. We get off sometimes. Un- we get off topic sometimes. We also get off sometimes. Sometimes. Not during the podcast. No, 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 no. Right before and after. We are in separate rooms. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> 
The troll yells at them. He smashes everything in the store with his big giant hammer. And then he walks outside. And Willow's like, he's not a ball of sunshine. <laughs> that was very funny. Because she was trying to make a ball of sunshine. This is so much worse than making the cash register disappear, though. Yeah. Apparently, it's a new semester. It kind of glossed over the whole school part of the first one. Yeah. Both shows aired in January. They're like the first episode of the new year. It makes sense, but I don't think it's always worked out that way. Although the Gilmore Girl one felt more like it should be earlier because it was the first snow, but it was like it aired like January 25th. That seems late for the first snow. Yeah, well, Gilmore Girl had a lot more snow theme going on. Buffy, there's no snow. That's true. It's maybe summer there. Yeah. I could not tell it was winter, but it is California. Yeah, it's California. Anyway, Buffy and Tara are taking a Greek art class together. This is a new character pairing. Buffy's not too excited about this class, but the only other class available is something to do with Central America, which is a hard no because Riley's there, so she just can't even think about Central America. Yeah. Also, what is this class? Seems like too small of a college to have like a very specific Central American gen ed. They're just like, whatever teachers are still alive, whatever you can teach. What? You can teach about Belize? Okay, great. Teach it. <laughs> but then Buffy starts opening up to Tara about her Riley feelings. Tara's like, oh, oh, I guess we're doing this? Buffy says she's got a new perspective on things, and maybe Riley's exactly where he's supposed to be now. But when Tara brings up that Xander stormed out on Anya, Buffy just cannot take it. Xander left Anya? Tara's like, chill, dude. Pretty sure it was just like a small thing. And Buffy just starts losing her shit. Like, no, little things get bigger, become huge things. They can't break up. They have a beautiful love, a miraculous love. Like She's just crying into Tara. Yeah. Tara has no idea how to react. She's barely spoken to Buffy, let alone consult her. We disagreed about Buffy's hair in this scene. I thought it looked cute. I thought it was weird and not a real hairstyle, but maybe I'm wrong. This is 2001 now? She's got pigtails, and they're kind of like messy pigtails. Like, they're sort of bunched up. Mm -hmm. But it's just like real haphazard. Like, I remember doing pigtail messy buns with the zigzag part sometimes. But the buns were like pretty tight messy buns. Like, they were more close to your head and sort of fluffed out. You know, a messy bun. Mm -hmm. But this is just like, she doesn't know how to put pigtails in. You liked it, though. I did. Let us know what you think. Willow and Anya steal Giles' car to go after the troll. They're able to track his path of destruction. Anya suggests that the troll must have been trapped in the crystal that Willow was using and that they released him, though there's an argument over which of them did the releasing specifically. Willow's paging through this book looking for a reversal spell, but I don't know why they don't just use the general reversal spell. Yeah, I, they mentioned a general reversal spell previously. Why not just use that? See if it works. Yeah, I mean, we know that's a thing. Just try it out. Anya reveals several minutes into this adventure that she doesn't know how to drive, even though she's been driving this whole time. Yeah, and like graduation day one or two, she like tells Xander, like, let's get out of here. We'll drive away. Like, she's got a car that she's going to drive. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe she was like, could you drive it, though? <laughs> I have a car that you could drive. Xander has gone to the bronze, where he bumps into Spike. Xander promptly tells Spike to leave him alone, but Spike wants to hang, it seems. He's also very excited about the bronze's bloomin' onion. Yeah, I wonder if they just, like, can't say bloomin' onion, because it's, yeah. like, an Outback Steakhouse trademark or something. Now I want one. Can we get one tonight? Is there an Outback Steakhouse in New York? Probably. Yeah, prop somewhere. Spike can tell that Xander's in a bad mood and kind of asks him what's up, but it's all basically for his own selfish intentions to see if Buffy's mad at him. Yeah. Xander's just like, what the hell are you talking about? What does Buffy have to do with any of this? <laughs> 
Buffy and Tara go to the magic shop and see that just everything's broken and that Willow and Anya are definitely not there. It's nighttime now and the troll is having a blast, smashing his way through town. He like threatens to pillage the town and burn their crops and make merry sport of their more attractive daughters. Yeah, he makes a lot of references to like sexual assault to a point where it's like, all right, just calm down. (laughs) Yeah, but the troll smells ale, so he heads to the bronze. Where Xander and Spike are just fully friends now, playing pool, chatting about girls. Spike's like, yeah, I totally get what it's like to date a girl people don't really understand. A lot of people never really got Drew. Xander's like, yeah, well, she was insane. (laughs) (laughs) This was the best scene in the episode. All the Spike stuff at the bronze was very fun. Yeah. But then the troll comes in, bumps into Spike. Spike's like, hey, watch it. Then sees how big the troll is. And is like, "Uh, second thought, do whatever you want. It's cool. (laughs) The troll has found his ale. Just starts drinking straight from a keg. He demands the bartender bring him some babies to eat. He asks Spike if he knows where he can find babies. Spike's like, what do you think, Xander? The hospital? Or? Yeah, that was so funny because he's like earnestly like, what do you think? The hospital would be a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't realize that that's a bad idea. Or like Xander won't just be like, yeah, eat babies. Yeah. Xander's like, yeah, we're, we're not going to eat babies. So Spike tries to pitch the Bloomin' Onion. Why are we against Spike's ideas here? Try the Bloomin' Onion, troll. You might like it. Allegedly, the bronze has wings and bloomin' onions, but we've yet to see them. They don't have the food budget that Gilmore Girls does. Yeah. Willow and Anya show up, immediately followed by Buffy and Tara. Willow starts trying to do the reversal spell, but then the troll announces that he knows Anya because they used to date. What? Anya quickly points out that he wasn't a troll then, just a big dumb guy who cheated on her, so she turned him into a troll, and that's actually how she got the job as the vengeance demon. And then he explains that he didn't cheat. It was just one wench and he was really drunk. It's fine if you're really drunk and it's just one wench, baby. That's not cheating, honey. That's just being really drunk and sleeping with one woman. One wench. Yeah. If it's a wench, like, does that even count? I don't know the definition of wench, so I don't want to (laughs) say. So he's mad at Anya for making him a troll, even though he's adjusted to being a troll. Now he's mad at witches, because witches trapped him in the crystal. So he's super pissed at Willow. Let's stop right there for a second. Okay, so we're to believe that they just so happened to have these crystals that just so happened to have the very same troll sealed within that Anya first turned into a troll, making her a vengeance demon. Sunnydale, baby. It's just like so crazy convenient and coincidental. Anyway. Anyway. So Willow tries to spell again. Doesn't work. Buffy fights him. Spike's got her back. The troll kind of knocks Buffy into Spike, and Spike, like, tries to grab her, like, keep her down. It was kind of funny, but it felt creepy. Yeah, it's a little assaulting. Like, was he trying to pretend, like, oh, no, we fell into each other. Look at how we're on top of each other. That's crazy. But it felt like, like, the look on his face was kind of like, eh, I'm gonna fuck her right now in front of everyone. It was weird. Yeah, this is definitely written by Joss Whedon. You can just feel it. <laughs> yeah. It went from being silly to, like, Maybe let go of Spike. Yeah, it, honestly, it really did come across as weird and not cool to me. Like, ugh. I mean, he is, we have to be fair, right? He is a demon. But he also loves her. Yeah, I know. It's it's hard because this is something like an evil monster would do. I just feel like it would have been funnier if he played it off like sweet. Like, oh, no, my arm's around you. You know, like that move where you slip your arm around someone. Yeah, I do that to you all the time after a troll throws you. Yeah. Which happens often. You guys don't even know what Queens is like these days. There's trolls everywhere. Full of trolls, and they love to throw. Well, the troll knocks down a support beam with his hammer, and the whole balcony just collapses. 
Troll leaves. Buffy's helping everyone crawl out from under the rubble. Spike hangs around to help, too, pointing out that he could eat from all these bleeding people, but he's not because he knows Buffy wouldn't like it. Buffy's like, yeah, that doesn't impress me. Like, cool. Bye. You're gross. Spike, man, you got to find a way. (laughs) You're not too good at this woo and buff stuff. You got to practice more with your mannequin. Where were the chocolates? The chocolates are probably completely destroyed little pieces on the ground. Oh, yeah. He did that like a hundred (laughs) times. Yeah. Back at the magic shop, Buffy and Anya are scrambling to find a way to stop this guy, and Willow reveals that part of the reason she's so peeved with Anya is that she's worried she might hurt Xander. Like, maybe turn him into a troll if things ever went south with them. Or even just emotionally. Yeah. She says there's more ways to... I liked that line a lot. It really... I liked it a lot, because it really shows us she cares about Xander. And honestly, one of my favorite things about the show is Willow and Xander's relationship. Yeah. It's this, like, fun platonic sometimes relationship. platonic yeah you're in season three they flirted with the idea that they might be together and i hated that it was like either do it fine or don't yeah i think they needed to do it because i think we always would have wanted them to do it if they never did it but then they kind of really chickened out about it yeah i honestly i hated that that is the way that storyline went but their being a close friendship is a continual storyline and i like that and i it gives willow a good justification for really not liking anya other than she kind of looks down on Anya the same way she looked down at Cordelia. But Anya insists that she would never hurt Xander. She's like, I don't do magic anymore. You're the one who was most recently offered the job of vengeance demon. Maybe Xander should be worried about you. You're the one who broke up him and Cordelia. Will's all like, no, I wasn't. I mean, yes, I was. <laughs> but I won't do it again because I'm gay now. It's the first time she like straight up says she's gay. Yeah. I do have a problem with that line. That is weird, though. For her to be like, I'm gay now. It's like, well, what do you mean gay now? Right. Like, were you not gay then? You clearly loved him sexually at the time. I think the show had some issues with just like the producers and stuff. Because I think Joss wanted her to be bisexual. And for whatever reason, the producers or whatever were like, no, it's got to be. She's got to be either gay or not. Yeah. So they, they made her gay. And it just is like, well, we know she's been attracted to slash has had intimate, loving relationships with men before. Right. And having her be bi is fine. Or having her be gay and just being like, no, I'm gay, but like I was sort of confused before. I loved these people as people, but I wasn't like attracted to them or something. So I kind of hate that line. But I guess it also does establish like she's gay. That's what she is, which is fine. Yeah. But I still, I don't love it. Yeah, I mean, they kind of are retroactively making her gay because I... I feel like she's bi, but I, who am I to say what her or anyone's sexuality is? Well, I mean, I think as viewers, we can all just say what we think. And I think you would agree with me that she's bi, leans towards women, I would guess. I think maybe she just wouldn't admit that to herself before, but she is bisexual. Yeah, she was very clearly sexually attracted to Oz and Xander. Yeah. And even as her vampire form, she was into both. Mm-hmm. It was pretty clear that she was, and that's a form that does not care about societal norms. So I think it's clear to say that she's bisexual. I feel like we might get some people that disagree, and I'm happy to hear what you guys think. Like I already said, and I don't want to repeat myself, I do think that she prefers women. That's just from the way knowing the whole show. But I think that it would not be impossible for her to fall in love with a man. But I think she's just way more attracted to women. Regardless of Willow's sexuality, Anya is just also concerned about the fact that Willow and Xander are so close as friends. Like, they're super old friends. Closer than her and Xander maybe will ever be. And Xander trusts Willow a lot. So she's afraid that Willow could, like, poison Xander's mind to not like Anya. That's fair. Yeah. 
But the troll smashes down the door. Probably could have just opened it. He's there to kill them. Classic troll. But then Xander shows up to defend his women. I, like, hated this at first. But I was like, he's not going to make it. Like, he's not going to be able to do it. And also the show, in most situations, women are the strongest people. So it's fine. What did you hate about it? Just that it was, like, a man trying to be a white knight here? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, it's it's fine. Because he's not going to. And also... 99% of the time, it's... <laughs> yeah, the women are... This episode actually is mostly women. Yeah. Because Riley's gone. And Giles is out of it for most of it. But Xander just, like, runs straight into dude's hammer. He, uh, he cannot fight this guy. Honestly, this guy's hammer should just, like, break half his bones when it hits him. Yeah, he shouldn't be getting up for a while. But no one expected him to fight the troll. The troll says Xander fights well, but does he troll? Yeah, does he? But because he's impressed him with his fighting skills, the troll says he's going to reward Xander by only killing one of the women. And Xander nice. gets to pick. That's so nice. Thank you, troll. Xander's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I've pretty much been staying out of it the whole episode. Going to keep going to keep doing that. Troll's like, that's cool. I'm going to break your hand and uh, kill you if you can't choose. Is Xander's hand just broken for like several episodes? Because he just like bends it in half. I don't think we see Xander after this scene. Uh, Yeah, his hand is broken. Okay, good. Unlike the time Anya had like a vine go straight through her hand and it was fine. I mean, she was totally fine by like the end of the episode. Yeah. But Xander's hand will be broken next time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Love that for him. Good. That's what he gets for sticking up for his women. <laughs> for his women. If I had to choose, I'd choose to kill Anya. She's lived a long time, and Willow's got powers. Ah, uh, you're so right, but Anya is having sex with him, so it's tough. I get why he wouldn't choose, but, like, if you absolutely had to choose, like, if the choice wasn't you could kill yourself, and you literally had to choose, or, like, the entire planet would perish, you gotta kill Anya. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, absolutely. She was evil. She was evil. She, Like you said, forget the evil part. She's, she's lived, like, a thousand years. Yeah. Like, she's lived a full life. But that's not what happens. Anya volunteers herself. She can die, she says. Just don't kill Xander. Willow, notably, does not make the same offer. She just keeps trying to do the spell, which does not work. Buffy and Tara show up. Anya tells Buffy to get his hammer, because that's where his strength is. Willow tells Anya to distract the troll by pissing him off. It kind of works. He gets annoyed, but, like, still hits Buffy with the hammer really hard. (laughs) While he's off yelling at Anya, Willow uses a spell to, like, disenchant his hammer, I think? It goes flying across the room and it loses its glow. I don't really know what that does or means. Because then Buffy's excited that they still have the hammer later. So is it just like, I don't know. He doesn't go after it. It still seems heavy because it breaks the glass case later. Yeah. But Buffy's all like, well, 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 no hammer. Guess I'm going to kick your ass now. But he still throws her across the room. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He is super strong because he's a troll, though. That's, (laughs) That's also a thing. Buffy keeps trying to fight him. He's like, why are you fighting for these two? Anya and Xander. They'll never last. This pisses Buffy off. (laughs) There's nothing going on for Buffy in this episode besides her deep passion for Xander and Anya's relationship. Beautiful love. She needs them to stay the fuck together. She will lose it completely. Buffy's like fighting this guy off screen and manages to knock him out while Anya's informing Xander that her and Willow have worked their stuff out. While he's out, Willow does a spell that sends him to the land of trolls. She thinks. Apparently it could really be any land. Maybe the land without shrimp. Which they've mentioned before. Are we going to see it? I don't know. Yes. Could you imagine a world without shrimp? I like shrimp. Yeah, I would want to live there. But maybe we wouldn't have ever known there were shrimp if we were there. It's true. Maybe there's a world with just shrimp. They're big too. 
But yeah, then Buffy's excited about keeping the hammer. She sets it on the glass counter, which just shatters through immediately. It doesn't matter. The store's destroyed. And she's very emotional about Xander and Anya being alive and happy and good. Later, Giles is back. He's at Buffy's house, letting her know about England. He's shockingly calm about how completely destroyed his store is. Did he, like, get a family trust fund in England? This is going to cause him so much to fix. He's been charging so much for chicken feet, he's got tons of money. (laughs) Also, did he come back early? He said he was going for a week, but now he said he was only gone three days. He changed it to three days because he was worried about Anya. Oh, did he say that in the beginning? Yeah. Hmm. Joyce is there. She brings them some tea. Giles tells them that the Watchers had no record of Glory or anything like her. But they're going to keep looking into it. They'll maybe have something soon. They did have some theories about the key. Nothing that made a lot of sense. Buffy wants to know if they figured out that it's Dawn. She says the name Dawn. What would they do if they found out about Dawn? He doesn't know. But Dawn is hiding in the stairway listening to all this. Of course. Honestly, it's crazy that they were talking about this so openly while she could just be listening. She's always creeping around the house. Yeah, she always is. Like, wouldn't you want to know? Like, let's not talk about Dawn's super, super, super deep secret she doesn't know about while she might be around the corner. Sit in the living room where you can see the stairs, at least. But even then, she could be at the top of the stairs. Yeah. This is dumb. Like, I kind of get that you want to do it because you want Joyce in on the conversation and maybe you don't want to take Joyce out of the house right now because of her brain. But But Giles didn't even know that Joyce knew until... She like sat down and was like, yes, I'm part of this. Because he yeah. he was like, is this okay to talk about with your mom here? But that's the end. Did you think it was a good one, Brian? No. I didn't like it. It was maybe no, my least good. favorite episode so far. This season. Yeah, it was really weak. It was really, really weak. I will say that I just like episodes that celebrate Xander and Willow's friendship. Yeah. I feel like we usually get at least one of those a season. This season we've gotten a couple like... The one where he gets separated, they stress that they have a good relationship. And in this one, they stress that they have a good relationship. So I like that. And the, the scenes with Spike are funny. But I don't know. It's just dumb, man. The troll is dumb and so coincidental that he just happened to be in those crystals. And he's not scary. He's not scary. So the fight scenes are dumb. Because like we're going to get out of this somehow. So just like to watch them fight is boring because there's no stakes. Yeah, and like, honestly, a lot of the jokes sort of fell flat for me in this episode. There were some really good ones. Spike is very funny, but he's not in it very much. And just like, let Buffy be emotional. Why make it like a cartoon? Yeah. That was weird. In the previous episode, she sort of like mocked Xander's relationship with Anya. Like Mm -hmm. being like, I don't believe that that's a real relationship. And in this one, she's like, that's the most beautiful relationship in the world. Was she there for the conversation when he went home and told her how much he loved her? Like, why is she so invested? I mean, you could argue that she thought about it afterwards and felt bad that she said that, maybe. But I don't know. Also, the Willow and Anya problem, while it makes sense, like I, I think both of their fears are justified. Yeah. We weren't aware that they had those fears. Yes. Until this episode. So it just feels like invented drama. In the previous episode, there is a scene that I think I said seemed dumb. And it was mostly just like for some comic relief during this like Buffy Riley drama. Where Willow and Anya were kind of at each other's throats about this very thing. Like Anya being bad with people's skills in the store. It was like a little tiff that they had. So I think that was like a little seed to set this up in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. But before that, nothing. Yeah, I, I do feel like in season four, Willow had like one or two lines kind of like, why are we hanging out with Anya? But yeah, I agree with you. So it's just like this drama that wasn't there until this episode that we needed to resolve. So I just like didn't care that much. Yeah, I mean, this is a filler episode, honestly. It does set up some things, that's all I can say. 
and there's some dialogue that's kind of interesting, but that's all I can say. But it's not a good episode. It's honestly very skippable. Yeah, like nothing really changed at all. You know what's funny is uh, I had some friends that were big Buffy fans, and they watched Buffy, and like uh, somebody had like a home theater, and they watched the musical episode, and then they were like, what do we want to watch next? And they were like, Triangle. And then they watched Triangle. And I remember being like, why? Like, why do Yeah, want... who suggested that? Why of were you all the them? episodes, why Triangle? In a theater, watch like Hush or something. Exactly. It was so weird. I don't, whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's not a good episode, but it's going to get good real soon in the show. Yeah, like sometimes I'll say it just wasn't a good episode, like not memorable, but it, it was kind of almost a bad episode. Yes. Like I maybe almost enjoyed like where the wild things are more. Oh, for sure. I was just kind of bored. <sighs> We had a lot of things that wasn't that good. I feel like Where the Wild Things, well, eh, I would say they're comparable. The logic of Where the Wild Things are is messed up, and there's a lot of weird things about it, but there were more good things in it. Yeah. Like the Giles moment, and I, I don't know. They're different, for sure. So, yeah, it wasn't a good one. I'll be the first to say that. Okay, well, should we move on to a much better show in general that everyone knows and loves? A show that, what, that's never had a bad episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, please tell us what happened on Charmed. Meanwhile on Charmed Season 5, Episode 11, The Importance of Being Phoebe, Cole uses non-magical legal means to manipulate the sisters in giving him ownership of the manor and access to the nexus. Paige is arrested, P3 fills a health inspection, and Phoebe is replaced by a shapeshifter. There's a lot going on in this episode. Jesus <laughs> Christ, this is a sweeps week episode. <laughs> Last week was like, Cole does some shit to Paige. <laughs> well, is Cole evil again? It does seem like Cole's been doing some not cool shit. Yeah, dude. What is going on, Cole? Are you good or bad? You're a bad boy. Maybe that's why girls like you. But I mean, it does say he uses non-magical legal means. Yeah, but it says it like, ah, you got us, you know? <laughs> like, it's still bad. Like, yeah, I imagine he, he keeps it. saying that. Guys, this is, this is legal. Non-magical. It's totally Legal fine. means. Yeah, he um, uses eminent domain to build a road through their house. That's what he's saying to the government. So the government's like, all right, it's your property now because you're going to build this highway through there for us. And that gives him access to the manor. Yeah, the road leads straight to the yeah. nexus yeah. as well. And we all know what the nexus is, obviously. that's well, Yeah, uh, they've been setting up the nexus for, yeah. for episodes. So many times. Tom Hanks mentioned it when he was there last time. On his way out, he's like, don't forget about the nexus. Don't forget about that nexus. Um, the nexus is where all universes... Um, meet. Meet, yep. It's a. It's like a little room. It's like a like a mm -hmm. lounge. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool place. Yeah, there's a lot of mirrors in there. It's kind of cool. But not everyone has access to it. Well, I'll tell you who does. Cole. Cole does. One person from each universe can access the Nexus. Yeah. And then you can talk to anyone from any universe, including an alternate version of yourself. So obviously Cole would want to do that in case he needed to tell like another Cole something or, you know, like another yeah. Tom Hanks something. Paige is all mad about this. So she goes to hit him. She does hit him, but then she gets arrested for hitting him. Right. Because he's like in deep with the government right now. He's got a cop yeah. friend. He's just like, arrest this woman. She's mad. Also, you should send a health inspector over to P3. Yeah, he's got to get all the sisters out of the house. Yeah. So that he can get this paperwork signed without them knowing. You know, non-magical legal means. Mm -hmm. And his wife, girlfriend, I don't remember. Did, they did get remarried, I think. Yeah. I mean, she actually w was out of the house anyway. She's dealing with her own thing. She's out of town for business where she meets a shapeshifter. Who takes over her body. Yeah. Well, 
acts like her. She's talking about how hot her boyfriend or husband Cole is. And the shapeshifter's like, oh, really? And so it takes over her and goes back to Cole. And Cole's only able to figure out that it's her because the shapeshifter just constantly is agreeing with him about stuff. And he's like, all right, that seems like a lot of agreeing with me. And I'm not used to that. You're a shapeshifter. Right. But she actually gets a lot of information about what Cole's doing. Yeah. Because Cole trusts her for a while because he thinks it's Phoebe. So when this is all said and done, the shapeshifter goes back to wherever regular Phoebe is and tells her everything that Cole's been up to. So now Phoebe knows that Cole sold their house to build a road to the Nexus. I think we covered everything. That's everything that happens in the episode, guys. Yeah, it's a it's a really complicated one. And it seems like this is a big, important episode that's setting up a lot of stuff. I'm worried about Cole. They seemed so happy before. And now Phoebe, now they know he's maybe evil. I know. Anyway, this has been Meanwhile Uncharted. As you all know, we love watching TV together, often late at night, which a lot of times turns into late night snacks, which in our house is often a bowl of cereal or two. But we do try to keep things healthy around here when we can, so we're thrilled to have this episode sponsored by Magic Spoon, a healthy cereal that tastes just like the stuff we ate when we were kids. That's right. We tried Magic Spoon's variety pack, which includes four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. And only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. That's right, a cereal that's good for you with a bunch of nostalgic flavors to choose from. My favorite was the fruity. Yeah, I like the frosted one, too. Mm-hmm. So go to magicspoon.com slash Slayer to buy healthy versions of your favorite childhood cereals today. And be sure to use our promo code Gilmore Slayer to save $5 off your first order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Gilmore Slayer. Thanks, Magic Spoon. Well, Brian, then we watched Gilmore Girls. Would you like to tell everyone about women of questionable morals? Yes, I think it's wrong for women to have questionable morals. And you guys all know that. I'm done talking about it. Okay, um, well, next time we'll be watching <laughs> Season 5, Episode 12. This episode is about excuses to men relationships. Sure, yeah. Wow. That's what this episode's about. You've never been so succinct. But it's right. With anything in your life. Never once. So wordy. So this episode opens with Lorelai dragging Luke out of bed in the middle of the night because she can just smell and sense that winter is coming. Specifically, the first snowfall's coming. If you remember, Lorelai has a special connection with snow. They took us way back to remember that. They showed us some like season one recaps in the previously on. Yeah. She loves snow and has this like romanticized notion of like winter wonderlands. And this scene is very cute. Luke is upset and grumbling because it's cold and she dragged him out of bed. He's like literally growling at her. Yeah, and he makes it clear that he doesn't think snow is coming tonight. And he also apparently watches a lot of weather news. Like, he's naming multiple weather people and exactly what they said about the weather coming up. Like, he's maybe one of those guys on YouTube that just, like, really knows the weather. Yeah, he cites, like, three different weather people by name, and it's specifically what they said. He's like, there's not going to be any snow, but then it snows. And I don't know, this scene is really, really, really cute. The way Lorelai makes fun of his grumbling is cute. She's Mm -hmm. all like, grumble, grumble, grumble to him. (laughs) 
Uh, the way that Luke like totally shuts up when it starts to snow is cute. It's all cute. They're like talking past each other. And even the way Luke tells her after he like goes inside, like she can have one more sniff than she needs to come in. All of that is funny. All of it is cute. And I know I keep saying this and I'm sorry, everybody, but I just like love every scene with them together. They, they work so well. They just do. I love it. I would be mad if you dragged me out of bed in the middle of the night into the cold. Yeah. But she was right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, Luke hates this, but he does it. Yeah. Like, if you were like, let's go outside in the middle of the night, I'd be like, um, I'd rather not do that right now. Yeah, it's Brian freezing. wouldn't, FYI. <laughs> I'd be like, are you okay? Honestly, if you did, like, half the shit Lorelai did, I'd be like, are you okay? <laughs> the first snow also means that the Stars Hollow Revolutionary War reenactment is about to take place. They always do it after the first snow. Again, January 25th is very late for the first snow. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The Revolutionary War reenactment group is meeting at Luke's, pitching safe-for-work terms for prostitutes. Yep, that's right. The scene just starts with Andrew excitedly being like, Streetwalker! (laughs) It kind of reminds me of that scene from Reservoir Dogs. It's not the same, but it reminded me of it. It's all these men trying to come up with, like, PC terms for prostitutes while the camera pans around them. Was it actually mirroring that? I don't remember that scene. No, it wasn't. But Reservoir Dogs, it's a bunch of men discussing the real meanings of that song, Like a Virgin, while the camera pans around them at a diner. They reference Madonna in this episode. They do. So I was like, is that intentional? It's it's very different content, really. But I don't know. It's like, seems like a connection. The, the shots look quite a bit different, though. Well, it seems the reason they're doing this is because a local historian recently discovered that during a crucial moment during the war, a local prostitute seduced a British general in order to keep him from conveying an important message to his troops, thus allowing Lafayette to ambush his troops. So Taylor Dosey really wants to include this newly discovered event in this year's reenactment. It'll be the first time that a woman has participated, or as he describes it, someone from the fairer sex. Taylor's a fucking weirdo, man. I don't like Taylor. (laughs) This is all pretty funny, though. It is pretty funny, especially because, like, the Reverend is there also. Why? He's not one of the reenactors. He's just, like, in charge of communicating with the press? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. And he makes a lot of references in this episode that he's still cool, even though he's a priest. He still watches movies, and he's allowed to make jokes. But the scene is funny because they can't decide on like what word to use or like what body type they should be casting for. They're like, can't be too thick, can't be too thin. And like one guy's like, what about your wife? And they say they should maybe be thicker. And he's like, I'll punch you in the face. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Looks like, well, if I run into any moderately weighted whores, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, and when Lorelai comes in for coffee, he's like, when you walk out, don't walk sexy. <laughs> when Lorelai leaves, she doesn't have any coffee because she's really excited for her first cup of coffee at the end. But, well, we'll get to that. Meanwhile, Emily notices a dog sitting in the snow on her porch. This is the chillest dog on the planet. Yeah, because it's cold out. Um, <laughs> no, he just like, she, she, just very chill always. Yeah. Emily's on the phone. She notices this dog on her porch. I guess Gilmore girls, whenever they're feeling lonely, see an animal on their porch. That's just what oh, happens to them. Lorelai uh, cats. They get cats in the summer and patio dogs in the winter. Emily freaks out when she sees it and calls Richard to come deal with it. It's kind of funny. She's like, there's a dog. Like, what's he going to do? It's a small little dog. Right. He comes out with a fire poker in case it's a Cujo. It's not. Again, it's a very, very a, nice. Yeah, very chill. Very well-mannered dog. I feel like it's constantly looking off. Like, it's probably looking at his trainer the whole time. Like, you like that I'm sitting? Cool. I can sit. I love to sit. 
They notice that it's got a collar, but no tag. It's snowing, so Emily's like, it can't just stay out there. You'll have to take it to the pool house. That's what it's for, you know, stray dogs. Richard doesn't love that innuendo, but he's like, all right, we'll take it in. Emily thanks him sincerely for helping with the dog. This is also really funny. Richard then just says to the dog, all right, dog, I want you to come with me. (laughs) (laughs) And he does. And the dog does. He's like, this appears to be working. It's very funny. (laughs) Emily and Richard are so, like, formal this entire episode. Every interaction they have is just, like, by the book, polite. And this dog quickly becomes an excuse for them to spend time with each other. Richard puts off his morning appointments just in order to stabilize the canine situation, as he calls it. And Emily comes over to the pool house because she notices that Richard hasn't left. He has determined that the dog is a she. Well, more on that later. He's like, that has been ascertained. (laughs) Yeah. Emily is like very interested in all of this. Then Richard shows Emily how he discovered the breed by using the internet. He takes her to a website called Dog Breeds 411, which is uh, not a website. Don't go there. What happened when you went? It just like redirects me, redirects me, redirects me to like a website for buying food, but it seemed very sketch. Mm. Maybe it was a website in the early 2000s. But Emily's all like, this is so crazy. You could look things up on the internet. And he's like, yeah, I found some websites that you might enjoy, like this Louis Vuitton website that he just like opens for her and then like gestures for her to sit down and explore. He's just going to like watch her browse the internet. I mean, when if it's your like first foray into the internet, it's probably interesting if just watching someone do stuff on That's it. That's true. She's like never heard of a mouse. Yeah, she's like the mouse. She's enthralled with this. It's a pretty funny like old people with computers scene in general. But also it makes me wonder, and I do suspect that Richard like knew he looked up these websites, the Louis Vuitton website, before she got there in hopes that she would spend some time on the computer. Oh yeah. He's got a webcam set up. He's going to watch her. (laughs) (laughs) If you said webcam, both of them would have no idea what you were saying. The two are getting along really well, you know, to help this dog. That's why they're getting along well. And like you said, they have to help the dog. Like you said, though, their relationship this whole episode is like very formal and nice. They're like thanking each other a lot and they're being very kind to each other. And it's clear that this dog is just like an emergency where they have to work together. You know, it's a pretense to be able to spend time together. Such a low stakes emergency. Yeah. This dog would move in with them easily. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this dog and Jason's dog would have gotten along fine. Just they would have sat there staring at each other for hours. Just both moving a little to the left or right. Just a little bit. Emily calls the town busybody to get the word out that they've got someone's lost dog. Richard then shows up at the house because he needs a proper bowl for the dog. He says that he's just going to give some of the meat from this leftover stew. Emily finds out he's eating stew and she is just like not okay with that at all. She makes him promise to have the valet prepare him some proper food. I have to say. Stew is fucking great. Stew is fucking fantastic. Have you guys had stew? It's so good. Maybe we're poor. But we love <laughs> stew. Even if we get rich tomorrow, we're still making stew sometimes. Stew's in my top ten. Yeah. I'd love a stew. Like mm, carrots and potatoes and like a broth. That's a stew, baby. Put it in the crock pot. That's a stew, baby. <laughs> Maybe a bone. What? No. Bone. Bone stew. Who doesn't like stew? Get out of here, Emily. Have some stew and shut your mouth. Well, I don't even know if she really cares about Stu. Honestly, I think the important thing here is that Emily is expressing to Richard that she cares what he's eating and wants him to know. Yeah. Right? She's essentially just being like, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to be well-fed. With a certain standard of food. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yes, and he like he promises her he'll never eat stew again. Yeah. Emily finds an old bowl for him to use. It's got like a chip in it, so she's like, you can just throw it away. And when the two part, you can just feel them enjoying each other's company, right? Yeah. Like they're just kind of thrilled that they have this excuse to hang out and like put their fight on hold. While this is all happening, Lorelai arrives at the inn in a very chipper mood because of the winter weather, but Michelle has some bad news for her. The floor mats that they were going to use to make the floors not slippery are on back order, so the floor is very slippery, and cancellations are rolling in, and the plows have dumped snow in their driveway. Just about everybody has called out sick because of the snow, and, and, and they're just about out of coffee. couple things about all of this. When Lorelai realizes there's no mats, she says, what else can we put down? Michelle says, plenty. I saw two bad movies this weekend. They were terrible. <laughs> yeah. I love someone that likes to shit on stuff. But also, they don't do cancellation fees? That seems wild. Yeah, I could see being kind of cool, like, if you cancel a month out, sure. But, like, if you're canceling day of, you really should be paying a fee. Yeah, I mean, it discourages people from canceling. Plus, you still make some money from it. I mean, I've never run a business, but it seems like a normal thing people would expect. Yeah, at least some sort of penalty. It doesn't have to be the full fare, but just like so we're not totally screwed. Yeah, even if it was like 10 or 20 percent. Yeah. I should mention that there's a little bit of coffee left. And Lorelai goes to drink it, but Suki's like, no, no, no. We have to give this to the customers. Like they're paying for it and there's like none left. Uh, Also, two of their remaining customers have gone missing after they were sent out cross-country skiing. So they might be dead. Michelle had to go shovel, and he got a cramp in his neck, and he's got oh a my God. date tonight. So funny. He's like, the shoveling gave me a crick in my neck, and a crick will cramp my kissing move. <laughs> his kissing move? A crick will cramp his kissing move. I don't think I caught that the first time we watched it. What is a kissing move? I don't know, but a crick will cramp it. I'll tell you that right now. Well. He also says he shouldn't be doing physical work because he's light-boned. <laughs> <laughs> While Michelle is complaining, Lorelai is like cleaning up the dining room and is surreptitiously pouring people's leftover coffees together into one single cup. And then Suki notices, is like, do not drink that. You're so gross. Yeah, like how old is it for one, but also all the other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I love coffee, but like, no way, no way would I do that. So Lorelai, like, is embarrassed and, like, depressed. And so she's like, all right, I'm going to go get coffee. She's going to go brave the snow. It's also, I need to mention, super funny. Every time Lorelai walks past the front door, off screen, we hear her slip because the (laughs) mats aren't there. It's very funny. At Yale, Rory is about to leave for class when her dad shows up at the dorm. He's very chipper, friendly, and really pushing for the two of them to go get breakfast. He said he was, like, sort of in the area, but now he's here. He wants to get breakfast. He's like, even parents can come. But Rory, like, shuts him down hard. She says she's got class and just, like, angrily pushes past him. She's like, I don't know how much clearer I can be, and just leaves him there. Later, Christopher catches Rory after class with some to-go coffee. He apologizes for ambushing her at the dorm and being manic and desperate to hang out. He's like, I know that's not fair to you. He says his dad is sick and it's given him a lot of time to think. And he knows he's put a wall up between him and Rory and he hates that. He hates their relationship. He wants to fix it. He doesn't want their relationship to be like his and his father's where when his father gets old, he has to go see him. He doesn't want to. He wants Rory to want to see him. 
Rory's still pretty cold and isn't warming up to him. So he's like, all right, I know ambushing you wasn't fair. So he leaves. And it's super sad. He just like really sadly drops a handful of like cream and sugar packets that was into sad. her palms and just says goodbye and walks away. He's like, I didn't know how you wanted your coffee. So I just grabbed like all of the things. And Rory like doesn't give a shit. She says like goodbye or fine or okay. That was so sad. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He clearly was like apologizing. I expected her to be a little warmer about it. Yeah, I feel like Rory is being super unfair in this scene, especially when she found out that Lorelai is the one who reached out to him last time. My first instinct, though, was like, you're apologizing for being kind of stalkery this morning, but now you're just like waiting outside her class with coffee for however long it takes for coffee to get cold. Yeah. That's like still kind of. Well, I think it's different because before he's like, ditch your classes, go get breakfast with me. The other one is like, I knew you were going to be here. I just kind of want to say my piece. Exactly. He like left her alone immediately. Yeah, he didn't force her to hang out with him or, like, demand it. Meanwhile, in Stars Hollow, Taylor Dosey and Miss Patty are casting the Scarlet Woman for their reenactment. Is that what they land on? No, that's not what they landed on, but they did mention Scarlet Woman earlier. During the actual thing, like, during the reenactment, they have the kids saying what her actual name is, I think, that they yeah. land on. But it's, like, under other dialogue. But you exactly. Can't hear. It's so long, though. But I think a woman of easy virtue is what he says in this scene. Okay. Let me just say, though, that this casting scene is, uh, well, there's just a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. It's a full bag. Yeah. There's just a bunch of women here, you know, auditioning for this role. Dosey just looks at these women and immediately dismisses the ones who don't fit the visual that they're going for. <laughs> Whatever I'm guessing this means the ones that are too thin or too thick. I, I don't know. Like, it seemed like blondes. Yeah, I don't know. Then Dosi seems to be very unimpressed with all of their come-hither looks. He's just like, do your come-hither look? No, your come-hither look. And he's like pantomiming what they should be doing. By the way, Kirk is there just like pimping Lulu in Taylor's ear. Yeah, yeah. Patty even calls him a pageant ma. He's like really pushing for Lulu to get the part. Dozy tries to inspire their their come-hither looks by saying, like, now imagine there's this very handsome, chiseled, strong man on horseback. And then Miss Patty's like, okay, but aren't you playing that man, (laughs) Dozy? Because Dozy's not chiseled or handsome. He's sort of like the human equivalent of, like, an old, bulky sweater, I feel like. Yeah. One of the girls he dismisses after the come-hither tryouts turns out to be his niece. What? Miss Patty even says, like, wait, you were coaching her to... Wait, what? Never mind. (laughs) She just, like, doesn't want to go down that path. Dosey's being extra creepy as the scene goes on. He complains that they're all wearing too much clothes for him to make a decision about who would be the sexiest. Yeah, Kirk's like, Lulu's got a bunch of hot outfits, Taylor. I'll put her in something. (laughs) It's like whispering that is so creepy. Also, who are these women that are like, I gotta be part of this? (laughs) Seems very important to a lot of people in the town. Yeah, mainly Kirk. When Dosey sees Lorelai walk by, though, he, like, walks outside and immediately offers her the role. No auditions required. He's said this before that she seems a bit like a beautiful young woman. Why did he leave the premises? Was he going out to look for other options? I don't know. Like, why did he even go outside? He's just so upset with what he has to work with, I guess. She says no, and then he disappointedly walks back in to Miss Patty saying, Okay, girls, let's see your sexy walk. <laughs> He's just sad his niece is gone. He wanted to see her sexy walk. Lorelai's day, on the other hand, is only getting worse. She steps in a cold puddle, which I get. I stepped in a puddle the other day. It sucks. You did. You were so Mm -hmm. sad. Then I had to put baking soda in my shoe so it smelled okay. Did it work? It did. 
She limps into Luke's for some coffee, telling him that her only highlight today was being asked to be the town whore, but then loses even that when an excited Kirk bursts in, shouting, my girlfriend's the whore, my girlfriend's the whore, (laughs) woohoo! And then Lorelai's like, no, I'm not even the town whore. Yeah. She's also like, the coffee's hot, you should have told me. He's like, okay, coffee hot. He offers to leave a little something on the dresser for her. Yeah. That night we see that Lorelai is like sewing the costume for the Lady of Easy Virtue. We've set up that she makes costumes. Yeah, I know. It's just, uh, it's almost like this part's totally unnecessary, but she's making the costume and it looks really nice. She and Rory are on the phone. She's talking about the costume and she tells her the new news about the woman who slept with the general to keep him from giving a message to his troops. Yeah, she says she was like keeping him occupied and Rory's like, occupied his brains out, huh? <laughs> like so dirty. Yeah, I know. And then Lorelai's even like, don't work blue. <laughs> <laughs> But Lorelai then makes a joke about how the snow is giving her a bad day because she was being too clingy and needy and the snow needed some space. This analogy of snow being a boyfriend that she's having relationship troubles with will persist throughout the rest of the episode. She asks Rory if anything out of the ordinary has happened for her today and Rory doesn't mention that Christopher stopped by and quickly changes the subject back to the snow. It's interesting, though, because she says every relationship has its bad days. You just keep going. She doesn't know she's talking about Rory and Christopher, but she could be. Yeah. Because Rory and Christopher's relationship isn't great. It's also important that Rory doesn't tell her about Christopher. Which I think is weird. I don't know why she, like, hides shit from her mother like this. Yeah. It's also cute, though, because Lorelai is, like, changing out dripping ceiling buckets from the kitchen. Yeah. Without really telling Rory that that's also a thing she's dealing with. Yeah. But at this point, she's still like, oh, Snow, you can be not nice, but I still love you. Right. Well, until the next day. Yes. The last straw is Lorelai goes out the next day to get to her car. and she In her pink coat. Yes. And her car is completely snowed in, just absolutely covered in fake snow. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's so obvious to, I think, us Wisconsinites, right? It's yeah. It's like, that's, that's not real snow. That's not clumping at all. And then more falls on top of it. Yeah, like a whole branch full of snow falls on top of it. She is just so pissed. Then we cut to a little bit later where Luke has come over and he's helping her shovel off the fake snow and unbury her car. She is just ranting about how she and snow are through. They are breaking up. Luke is just like, yeah, snow is just like inconvenient ice that falls in the sky. He also hates snow. Yeah, she's just like done with snow. Poor thing. She loves snow so much. And Luke is listening to all of this. That night at Friday night drinks, Emily's in the pool house. She's sitting with the dog. She's just there to sit with the dog. Yeah. She's like, just ignore me. I'm just here to sit with the dog. You know, because the dog needs someone to sit with it. I can tell you right now, the dog no. doesn't. That dog is very well The dog well is just happy to sit there. Doesn't care how its blanket is. Richie has decided the dog is a boy now, actually. He got a better look at its downstairs. There's a running bit of that Richard cannot figure out its sex. And it's always followed by Emily justifying that by saying, like, they're just so hairy down there. <laughs> Richard makes Emily a drink, despite her claim that she's not officially here. Richard insists that she stay because the dog likes her, and also she should join the conversation as well, because she's a presence that can't Mm -hmm. be ignored. She is, like, out of the circle, though. She's just, like, sitting behind Richard. Yeah, but also it's weird that she's there, you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason for her to be there. This is all pretense. If the dog was alone, maybe it would need her, but there's three other people there. I also hated Rory's outfit in this scene. That's neither here nor there, but I thought it was silly and dumb. There was a lot going on with it. It was kind of uh, Buffy's pigtails. Okay, and so it was okay with <laughs> While they're there, except for Emily, who's not officially there, Emily mentions that Christopher's father died that morning and that Christopher's pretty upset. As soon as she hears this, you can tell that Rory feels pretty bad. 
like they talk about sending flowers and she agrees that she sent flowers, but like her voice like cracks a little bit. Yeah, like Lorelai's shocked that Christopher didn't tell them. Yeah. But he did tell Rory that he was sick. A little. Yeah. Well, the dog sits up for like a second and then Richard goes to show Emily how the dog likes his blanket rolls. <laughs> This gives Rory a chance to mention that Christopher maybe did visit Yale, and he maybe did mention his dad being sick, but she had no idea how sick. The blanket's so funny. Like, the dog doesn't give a shit how his blanket's rolled. No, Richard insists. But Emily's just like, I really appreciate you showing me that. Like, what? (laughs) And then there's a dog hair in her drink, and he, like, insists on bringing her a new one, even though she declines. I can't imagine that Emily would drink of the dog hair. I know. I do understand her character in this situation being like, don't mind me. You don't have to get me a special drink. But I don't think she would have drank it. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. So obviously Rory feels bad. And we can tell because in the next scene, she heads over to Chris's with a bag of milk and cookies and an apology. She goes in and they talk. And we find out later that they worked out most of the kinks in their relationship. When she's leaving, she calls Lorelai to tell Lorelai that she needs to go see Christopher. Rory says that despite his faults, he's still human and also he's super isolated now that Sherry's gone and especially since Rory essentially told him like do not contact Lorelai and she's been like freezing him out. He's like totally alone and needs human contact. Lorelai's way ahead of her though. She's like literally pulling up behind her in the driveway. It's really interesting because at the top of the Friday night dinner scene, they pointed out that they drove separately. That seems like a weird thing to mention, but I think it was for this moment. Oh, that makes sense. Lorelai did not bring milk and cookies, though. She brought a bunch of booze. It's kind of funny, too, because it was like the same exact bag. He's like, milk and cookies? Mm-hmm. And he says, come on in, friend. Yeah, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. And they hang out drinking all night, just the two of them. We don't see that. No, but we find out, because the next day at Luke's, Lorelai is hella hungover. She's mad that she had a daughter because her daughter's voice is too annoyingly high-pitched. The reenactment is about to happen, and Kirk bursts in yelling for Taylor. Something is wrong, but what? We don't know. Yeah, he's like, nothing. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Lorelai and Rory both agree that it was good that Lorelai visited Christopher because Lorelai might be his only old friend remaining. I think it's important that Rory says that. because She was like, it's good that you you went. Yeah, Rory's got a major shift here. Yeah. Apparently Lorelai stayed until the sun came up. Yeah. She got home like in the morning. Because we were like, if she's that drunk, did she drive home? But maybe she just like waited till she was sober. Lorelai's like, I need Luke to get over here so I can order pancakes because otherwise I'm going to throw up. But then when Luke comes over, he notices that Lorelai's eyes are all red. He's like, what's wrong? Rory quickly steps in to cover for her mom, saying that she kept her up all night with girl talk. Luke's like, okay, but then Lorelai just orders coffee. That's all she wants. Rory's like, why? And she's like, well, he'll know that pancakes are my like hangover food. He'll know I was drinking all night. Saying. Lorelai immediately is like, I shouldn't have lied. But Rory's like, yeah, it's fine. You lied. He didn't need to know. Yeah, this is so interesting. She's like, yeah, I lying to my boyfriend is bad. I'm not a teenager. But like you said, Rory's like, no, he doesn't need to know. That's such a weird shift. We talked about this for a bit when we were watching it, but I feel like she should tell him. Because yeah. it is someone that she's like recently had sex with that she's staying up all night drinking with. Like, I would want to know if you did that. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because I feel like the right thing to do is to tell. I could see If it was innocent, nothing happened. There wasn't even like a line crossed. You didn't even think about it being. There wasn't even temptation at all. Like it wasn't even like I could. Maybe they don't need to know. Maybe it's just better to not tell them. Yeah. But if it ever comes up and they would be pissed, you should tell them. Yeah. Like if I found out you did that with like, I mean, we've been together forever, so you don't have like a recent ex. But I don't know. I feel like I'd I'd feel weird that you intentionally hid it, especially since she now has lied about it. Yeah. 
And she kind of lied about it before when she had lunch with him. Yep. What she should have done is called him before she went over and said, hey, I want to go see Chris. I know I just saw him, but his dad died. I'm just letting you know. We're going to have a drink. I'm coming home. You know what that's like, having a dead dad. Yeah. That you want tequila and comfort sex. <laughs> so I'm just going to give him some quick comfort sex. You no get big it. deal. I told you it's fine. Yeah, Rory told me. Just to. one wench. <laughs> it's just one wrench, a lot of mead. It's fine. You said wrench. Yeah, well, it's, they're going to be screwing. Do you know what a wrench is? Yeah, baby, you take screws out with it, okay? I've only done it once. It took a long time, and it seemed like that's not what it was for. <laughs> it's for nuts, boo. Okay, same thing. Oh. All right, that was dumb. Yeah, that was all dumb. Sorry, guys. The only thing I can say is that they were at Christopher's mom's house, and if mm-hmm. Christopher's mom is anything like Dean's mom, there's no way anything happened. She's yeah. just going to make sh- constantly knocking on the door. <laughs> Christopher, when is Lorelai leaving? <laughs> This baby that doesn't sleep is also there. <laughs> yeah. Although she did specifically say they were alone. Yeah. It's a big ass house, by the way. I know they're rich. Not as big as Emily Richards. Yeah, that's true. So at the reenactment, this is funny. They have three small children like narrating the events. Yeah. And these three little children then start telling the beautiful story of a prostitute tricking a general <laughs> with sex. Taylor plays that general, and then Kirk, not Lulu, comes out in the prostitute's dress. Apparently, Lulu got sick, so he had to fill in last minute. He didn't know what else to do. It's a pretty funny scene. Taylor is, like, super pissed, but Kirk is like, we're not supposed to be fighting right now, Taylor. We're supposed to be making love. (laughs) So he, like, goes with him inside, even though he, like, hates it, and, like, Kirk is awkwardly come hithering into the brothel. It's pretty funny. The brothel is the school? I yeah, wonder if that's I know. like where the brothel was. I don't know why they would just like use a house or something. But I also love that just the children are the one narrating this. It's, it's very funny. So funny. And like you said, you mentioned this earlier, it's super hard to hear because we cut to Lorelai and Rory talking. But the kids keep talking about the event and the kids say something about this woman whose livelihood defied blah, 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 something, something, something. But God would forgive her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really want to know what they said. I know. It's a shame that that wasn't included. Yeah. Emily comes to the pool house to check on the dog. She's got this plan where they can use Richard's computer together to find a place to go print a bunch of flyers and then put those out together. But Richard says that they found the owner. Turns out her calling around did the trick. And the dog's a girl again. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, well, it's very hairy down there. It's all very funny. But Emily is clearly disappointed. I feel like Richard is too, but like you could just see it in Emily's face. She kind of like looks away almost like, well, where do we go from here? Like, I want to continue this. Yeah. Spending time together and being happy and friendly. This is their excuse to hang out at all. Yeah, and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And then they both realize that this excuse to spend time together is very unlikely to happen again. So the two kind of realize there's no reason to be together anymore and they go their separate ways. But like I said, you could just tell they're like, oh, but I don't want to. Yeah. At the end of the episode, we have a great scene. Lorelai gets home. She's on the phone arguing with the snowplow guys and complaining about the snow when she sees Luke has built her an ice rink in her yard. He says he felt bad that she and the snow had a falling out. And he also felt bad that he kept being so negative about the snow, maybe influencing her breakup with the snow. And so he wanted to get them back together again, her and the snow. Hmm. He's like, I know I'm grumpy about stuff, but I don't want you to be grumpy about stuff. That's nice. It's like a really super, super sweet moment, punctuated with him saying to Lorelai, like kind of abruptly, that he knew she was lying to him at the diner. And you could see her like pause for a second, like, what, what, what? 
he's like, I could tell something was wrong. Like, were you sick? Like, what happened? And so she lies again, saying that she had just had a really bad headache. She still did, in fact. And he's like, yeah, I get headaches. He seems to, like, buy what she says. And then he gives her some skates and is like, go ahead and go skate. So it ends with her skating, and it's super nice and super romantic. And I love it. Can they just be together forever? I don't know. She keeps lying to him about stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, Side note, I want to say, though, Luke makes a joke that he's more handsome than Jack Frost. So let's just make it clear that Luke thinks he's more handsome than Jack Frost, but he's not as handsome as Willy Wonka. That's just where we're at right now. He thinks Willy Wonka's hot, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that was it. That was the episode. Stacy, was it a good one? It was a good one. I definitely remember things that happened in this episode. Like, the ice rink was very familiar. The You know what, though? Nothing else I, like, super remember actually watching. I do think I've probably seen this episode, but it wasn't one I've seen a bunch. So it was just kind of nice to, like, watch it and see what happened. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a nice, like, almost a Christmas episode. It wasn't a Christmas. Mm. But it just felt like a nice, like, magical winter episode with the snow. Yeah. Like a, like a cozy episode. Yeah. Yeah. And... There's a lot of sweet moments with Luke and Lorelai, some stuff bubbling under the surface with Christopher, probably. And the Emily and Richard stuff was so good. And it seems like Rory and Christopher have reconciled, which I think is good. Yeah. I don't want them to be bad. What did you think? Did you like it? Yeah, it was a great episode. Like everything you said, the Richard and Emily stuff was just like so good and perfect. And like everybody knew what was really going on. Even them, I suspect, but they couldn't say it. And the Christopher stuff was great. Rory, like, making up with Christopher, please, thank you. I just, I want people to be happy. And Luke building that thing was great. I want to point out that, like, Luke listens to her. Mm -hmm. I feel like Luke's personality, you feel like he doesn't. Like, he kind of comes across like a gruff guy who's not really listening. But he does listen. And I would say sometimes that's almost the opposite of Lorelai, where sometimes she doesn't. Luke has flaws, like a lot of the characters, like all the characters, but like he, that is not one of his flaws. He does listen. And I thought it was sweet too that he was like, I saw this beautiful thing you have with snow. It's super important to you. It makes you happy. Even though I don't like it, it's not something I enjoy or care about, but I know it's important to you. And he feels bad that he may have taken away or played some role in taking away that happiness and joy from her. And he wants to fix that. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. And he acknowledges like, yeah, I'm a grumpy prick, but that's me, not you. I think that Lorelai doesn't necessarily not see Luke as like endgame. I don't think she sees him as like an Alex or it's just like a fling. I think she is like, I want to make this work. This is a good thing. I'm happy. Yeah. But I think Luke is like, I've wanted this for a long time and I desperately want to do everything to keep this together. Right. He's... He's trying a lot harder than her. Like, it means a lot more to him. Yeah. At this time, anyway. I think she wants him to be happy and is, like, really committing to the relationship. But I don't... I think he is coming from a place of more pining than she Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting, too, because a lot of times she'll get him to do something he doesn't want to or whatever. And he'll be like, all right, well, you know, all you got to do is wear that dress and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, if you're hot around me, I'll do the thing. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I liked it. It was a good episode. It was funny. It was... Heartfelt, A+. plus. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? So this one's a struggle because on the one hand, Gilmore was really good. But on the other hand, um, I don't even want to think about Buffy. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Gilmore Girls. I think I probably cut this part out. But at the top, you immediately said Gilmore Girls was better. I was like, we can't do that yet. But we pretty quickly into Buffy revealed that it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Buffy's episode was so bad that it was like, this is unwatchable. It's nothing like that. It was just like, Buffy is so much better than this. Yeah, it just wasn't a good Buffy episode. Yeah. And this was a good Gilmore. So, I mean, I knew 
this one was Gilmore 100%. Yeah. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 12, Come Home. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoint. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, did you think Lorelai needed to tell Luke about staying up all night with Christopher? Could you tell it was fake snow? Who would you have killed on your willow? Is there anyone that you would turn into a troll? How many times do you think it took Spike to get his speech right with the chocolates? So what are you guys thinking? Hospital? <laughs> Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Salem Leonard Goosby, Heather, and Andrew Olert. Thank you. For more non-podcast comedy content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Have we checked Kurt's undercarriage to make sure he's a dude? You know, I don't know that I would be able to tell. It's just so hairy down there. Yeah. Tune in next week. I've, I've seen it. I think I know what it is. But I'll tell you next week. <laughs> You think you know what it is? Is it an innie or an Audi? That's what I want to know. It's occasionally out. Okay, so it's sometimes an Audi. All right, well, guys, that's been our podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.